Greetings, seam heads far and wide. Welcome into the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. I am Casey Light, joined today by Reno Nataro, co-host of Walsh and Nataro on Mile High Sports, AM 1340, FM 104.7, heard weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. The Blake Street Irregulars podcast is brought to you by... Tap 14, located at 1920 Blake Street, with 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado distilled spirits, American Alpine Fair that's locally sourced and rotates seasonally, and terrific rooftop views all year round. Tap 14 is your spot for game day during Colorado Rockies season. Reno Rocky season is underway down in Scottsdale. The biggest news of the last few days has been the return of Carlos Gonzalez. We've been waiting for quite a while to see what was going to happen with Cargo, who's spent nine years with the Colorado Rockies, one year with the Oakland Athletics, a 10-year MLB vet, a three-time All-Star, batting champion, gold glove winner, silver slugger, who could not get a job. It's borderline on collusion, but I guess no one's using the collusion word. It's kind of like uh, the Broncos not saying rebuild, but I wanted to first tell you how I could get you regular. As a Blake Street, uh, well, uh, but uh, that's a whole other, <laughs> it's a whole other story. But look, I, I didn't understand it because whether you think Charlie Blackman's better than Cargo or Cargo's better than Charlie Blackman, in recent seasons, Charlie Blackman's been a better player than Carlos Gonzalez. But there's no question that Carlos Gonzalez, now that he's back on the Rockies, is the second best outfielder. Certainly, he's one of the three best outfielders. He's better than Para. He's better than Tapia. Para's not an everyday player. And is Tapia going to give you the the performance that Carlos Gonzalez is going to give you? And I still stand by Cargo will have a bounce back season. Uh, His back is better. He's going to be healthier. That was the issue. He came on late in the season. He didn't have the power numbers, but... Um, I think he'll get back there. You're talking about a great player. At one time, if you're into the advanced stats, which I think most people uh, you know, have, have embraced that, or at least somewhat, there was one point about four or five years ago where he was literally the best, play, best player in baseball, according to War, for like an hour during one of the, the games. So you're, you're not talking about a really good outfielder. You're talking about truly a, a guy that was a great baseball player. And he's only 32. He's the same age as Charlie Blackman. So, you know, this is a guy that can play. He can still, you know, stick him in left field. Fine. Don't put him in right field. Get, let him have it easy street in left field. And is, would there be a better left fielder? No, he'd probably, he would without question be the best left fielder in Major League Baseball because that's where you stick the stiffs. I mean, you guys that... <laughs> That's that's where you put the defensive liabilities and and stick cargo in left field and have Dahl in right and Charlie Blackman in center and Para can be your your guy that play that starts uh, twenty to thirty games. I, I I will say it now and I tweeted it last week when I found out he was going to sign with the Rockies. He will have over five hundred plate appearances if he's healthy. Yeah, and he had five hundred and thirty four last year in what everybody calls that down year. And and yes, by Carlos Gonzalez standards, it was a down year. He ended the year hitting two sixty two uh, with a three thirty nine on base percentage and a four twenty three slugging percentage. Only those fourteen home runs, uh, no triples and thirty four doubles. But what where it really 
all of this sort of came together. When you talk about the collusion, you, you mentioned that early on. Is look, Well, we, that happened in baseball when I was a kid. Back in the 80s, uh, I remember Mike Scott was part of the collusion where the, the owners got together and refused to, to, to sign these guys. And so I, I don't think any yeah, – they certainly don't want to get back accused of collusion. They're basically trying to – to reset the, the the contracts and make up for the bad contracts signed by by A Rod by you know Pujols these well, guys that are thirty eight years old getting ten year contracts exactly. or however the hell they and, and that's they were. I think anybody who wants and it's funny because Anilo Piro has a piece on MileHighSports.com mentioning some of those names including. Troy Tulowitzki, a guy that the Rockies threw a ton of money to. And I think there was a little bit of concern maybe with Carlos Gonzalez of he had been paid a lot of money by the Colorado Rockies. He a was. A lot, a lot of money. But to your point and to all of those accolades that I marched out there, uh, you know, all of the things that Carlos Gonzalez has done through the years, I don't think the Rockies underpaid Carlos Gonzalez and certainly not in MLB terms by any stretch of the imagination. For this year? No, over the course of his career. No, he got market value. I mean, he's a guy that came up. And he delivered on that. He absolutely delivered. He absolutely delivered, delivered on and that. And look, go back. I, I don't know what about the column, but Tulo earned what he signed. Tulo was an outstanding player. It was just towards the end, and now that he's gone on to Toronto where he hasn't performed as well. Yep. But when he was with the Rockies, the contract that he he signed – he was well worth that kind of money. He he's still a better defensive shorts. He's still better than Trevor Story is. I mean, he he hits with more power. He still has a better glove than Story, a better arm than Story. So, I mean, Trevor Story's got a long way to go before he's Troy Tulowitzki. Yeah, no, it's you know this has been building for some time across Major League Baseball, not just with Carlos Gonzalez, but you know you see these guys who, who you know we're starting to see this now as the the sort of the the iceberg has broken off the shelf a little bit for these remaining free agents that are now into the signing mode. Guys like Jake Arrieta yesterday sure. who signed uh, Carlos Gonzalez, who the news has been out since basically late Thursday, uh, early Friday, and that deal is still in the process of being inked, but by all accounts is is going to get done, and, and Cargo will be back with the Colorado Rockies. But you saw this building for some time where, you know, Jonathan Lucroy, for example, turned down an offer from the Rockies, uh, the reportedly three years, $21 million uh, this past November to only have to take a one-year deal with the Athletics this weekend for significantly lower dollars. Yeah. Uh, you saw Mike Moustakis turned down a similar type of a deal. Carlos Gonzalez, going back to last year, reportedly turned down a significant multi-year deal. And so all of a sudden the clubs ended up in leverage situations. The the concern that I have heading into 2018 with Carlos Gonzalez, and, and you mentioned the back, and, and I think the health issue is is one that we didn't have a ton of information on last year. We probably know a lot more now than we did when he was struggling as much as he did. But uh, we've heard things that not only was his back an issue, but he was having some sleep issues, that he wasn't as fully rested maybe as, as uh, they would have liked, and that he was had some undiagnosed sleep issues that were going on. And once those things got corrected, you started to see him jump ahead and really you know become the cargo of old uh, last year those splits were just they were crazy to think that in the month of June Carlos Gonzalez a, a former batting champion hit just 172 for the month of June yet you flip that and in September he hit 377 ultimately balanced himself out at 262. But my fear for Carlos Gonzalez a, a little bit was all the talk last year wasn't about his health. It was about the pressure, the pressure of playing in a contract year, 
right? And that's my concern with Carlos Gonzalez as we head into 2018 and he returns to this club is now that he's on a one-year deal again, he's on a prove-it or a show-me type of a contract and that the pressure has been ratcheted up even higher in Colorado uh, because this is potentially the last year with Charlie Nolan and DJ all together, that big trio. the expectations, because they made the playoffs last year, have heightened. Because they went out and spent $100 million on the bullpen. Is there concern in your mind, as somebody who has known Carlos for, for a long time and, and has had him as a guest regularly on the show, you talk to him in the clubhouse, do you have any concerns that maybe that pressure is going to be ramped up even more and could potentially be problematic for Carlos? I, I, I think the pressure is there, but I think he can handle the pressure. I think it was more of the physical health issues is that is what got him and as you said down the stretch his performance hitting the baseball his defensive performance is a main factor of why they made it as far as they as far as they uh, yep. got last year so <clears throat> look if he can't handle the pressure and doesn't perform then move on then he'll finish out his career with a series of one year contracts for five or six different teams and you know that's how he'll end his career but I I I really think he's going to have a bounce back season and and look time's going to time will tell and we'll find out but if I'm starting the season in two weeks Carlos Gonzalez is my left fielder there's no question about that I, I don't even know what anyone could think, Para or Gonzalez, could, because frankly, he can still play defense too. Mm-hmm. He still has wheels. His his lower body has ha, has been healthy over the years. I mean, he had the early injuries. What what was that in '09 when he ran into the fence near sure. that, uh, near the All Star break and and got hurt. And that's why they've tried to keep. That's why they kept him out of center field. And that's why they moved Charlie Blackman into center field because look, Carlos Gonzalez had the physical tools and has the ability to play center field, but he played with such reckless abandon that you don't want him <laughs> out there in that big. Yep. You know, that's why they moved Dexter Fowler into center field and had Cargo in left field for that short amount of time because of the giant, the the area, the square footage the uh, of left center field at Coors Field. Yep. It's the biggest outfield in baseball. Yep. So when you have Cargo in left and Dexter Fowler in center, there's not a whole hell of a lot of baseballs that are going to get into that gap. But no, I, I expect him. I, I hope he does, and he he's one of my favorite players. He's he uh, you know next to Galarraga, probably my favorite Rockies player, and I've had the luxury of covering the Rockies since 1996. And and um, yeah, well, I, you know, look, if he doesn't hit and he can't play, I don't want him out there. I, you know, if you're a Rockies fan, you don't want him out there. But I really think he's only 32 years old. Yeah, and he he seems older. Because he's been in baseball for so long, coming yeah, up out I mean, of Venezuela, he, he he was. I mean, he cracked the major leagues at 22 years mm-hmm. old. Yeah, and and so yeah, signed you know signed at a very young age, came up in in the system uh, with Arizona and then with Oakland, and obviously now ended up here with the Rockies for for the bulk of his career. That's how he will be remembered as a major leaguer. Sure, uh, is as as a Colorado Rocky. The, the concern, you know, and I mentioned this even as, as recently as Thursday's podcast, we were recording it before any of the news came out about cargo coming back. My concern, because I felt like there was the option for the Rockies with that eight to ten million dollars that we thought maybe they could go out and spend, which is roughly what they're going to be giving cargo. That's the, the reports are coming out. That's around eight or nine million dollars. Yeah, frankly, I think they're getting a deal. I thought he was I, I thought he could get twelve to fifteen million and you'd still be paying 
him under market value value for a, a veteran player. Yeah, and I was I was saying that's the money that the Rockies had to spend. Sure. Whether they were going to spend it on a guy like Carlos Gonzalez, maybe a guy like uh, Mark Reynolds, maybe a, a starting pitcher, they have that money to spend. But but the thing that that kind of gave me pause, gave me hesitation in terms of bringing cargo back was the fact that they do have all of that depth that they have so much belief in and really don't have a lot of room for with those other outfielders you mentioned Tapia you mentioned David Dahl we talk about Mike Talkman these are all guys who are no longer on the prospects list these yeah. guys have made their case for being major league ball players and with the situation that the, that the Rockies had at first base a 23 year old Ryan McMahon who has proved so far in spring training and his first legitimate shot of claiming the first base job that he's up for the task. But Cactus League play and National League play are very different. So my concern with Carlos Gonzalez coming back was you add to the logjam in the outfield and you don't necessarily solve the situation at first base unless the solution is moving Ian Desmond to first base and saying, okay, we're officially making this move that we said we were going to make a little while back. Do you like that sort of trickle-down effect that this is going to have? Are you okay with moving Desmond out of left field and to first base in order to make room so that you can start Para, Charlie Blackman, and Carlos Gonzalez? Well, I mean, if McMahon can hit, then he's going to play. You know that as a baseball player, and, and that's how it works in baseball, whatever level you're at. If you can hit, you're going to play. They'll find a spot Jason Giambi. Todd Helton, uh, Albert Pujols. You know, these guys are not exactly, I mean, Helton had a Matt Holliday. Matt, Matt <laughs> Holliday. Matt, Matt Holliday was in left field during the World Series a few years yes, ago. Yes, we remember that some ball, oddly played balls. That ball would have gone off of his head, and it would have been another Conseco scene. But, no, I mean, there's your, there's your quintessential Matt Holliday. Right. He hit, he's played. Yep. And so if McMahon can hit, then why not play him and then – Platoon with with uh, Desmond, uh, but uh, look, uh, if the young guys can play and can hit, then they're playing in left field. And if we're coming down to a left fielder, that's why Dahl's in right. He's a great. He's great with the glove. He's got the arm. He's got the. You know, he has the tools. If these young guys are fighting for a spot in left field, it means they have some serious shortcomings at other places. You know, your top outfield prospects aren't the ones that you're going. Oh man, I can't wait to put them in left field. So if, if that's the issue, then they're probably very mediocre fielders and the, pros- the, the, the coaches and, and managers are just waiting for them to prove that they can hit the big league hitting and big league pitching. And as you said, Cactus and Grapefruit League baseball is a lot different than the, the majors. I mean, we don't know what situations. It's, I mean, it's like in col- it's fall ball in college, you know, it's – all right, you're going to bunt here. Well, normally you wouldn't. Well, I just want to see if you can bunt or see what can happen. They, they're trying things out. It's like watching football practice and going, oh, my God, he just threw an interception. Well, he probably <laughs> tried to force it because they're trying to figure out, you know, what different plays work. So during these games that don't count, there's situational stuff that you don't know because you don't know what the manager's calling or you don't know what the, the, the base coaches are, are calling. So, um Look, if a guy can hit, he can hit, and he's putting up numbers in the spring. But yeah, let's let's uh, let's see. And and look, the, the managers and coaches they want the best guys. Yeah. And if these guys are young, and, and as you said, they're not prospects anymore, they are supposed to be big leaguers. Well, if they're supposed to be big leaguers, then hit. 
You know, and that's my thing with Trevor Story. Trevor Story came back to earth last year, and if he doesn't hit better, I, I expect a major league, a starting major league baseball player to at least hit 260, if not 270. And by God, you're in Coors Field, hit 280. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm well, very that, serious about this. And, 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 if, and I know everybody says, well, Trevor Story's got the power numbers. Great. You know what? Then hit 280. You're at Coors Field. Then hit 270 for me. Because if you're a starter in Major League Baseball, I, I think you should at least be able to do that. Well, and that's what makes Ian Desmond, I think, such a, a valuable X factor. And, and really, I think he ultimately is what facilitated bringing Carlos Gonzalez back. He made that possible because if Trevor Story continues to struggle with contact, continues to be the National League leader in strikeouts as he was last year, there's nothing saying you can't move Ian Desmond back over to shortstop. Uh-oh. Is it is it jerking Ian Desmond around a little bit because the poor guy was told in the 2016 going into 2017 offseason, you're going to be a first baseman. So he took literally thousands of ground balls at first base only to break his hand and then not have a job because Mark Reynolds had, you know, the first half to, you know, basically the best first half of his entire career. Um, And then now the shift is, okay, well, we're going to move you to outfield because we like this kid McMahon, but boy, uh, we got so much. We're all in on 2018, so we're going to move you back over to first base. But boy, if Trevor Story doesn't hit, you're going to end up, you know, potentially playing shortstop. I mean, Ian Desmond hit 274 last year, and everybody called that a disappointment. Carlos Gonzalez hit 260 last year. Everybody called that a huge disappointment. Where you're saying that's my benchmark for a starting major leaguer. Trevor it, Story hit 239, and frankly, he had, he came on late in the season. Um, and and look, we we all know about the the stats and how strikeouts aren't as frowned upon. I remember as a kid growing up and into college, and God, if you were striking out, if you were swinging and missing, it was like this. I don't want to miss. I want to hit. You know, like striking out for a pitcher. You. Yeah, you, you know you're a pitcher. When you strike a guy out, there's a dominance to that. It's like I own you, I beat you, and you can't hit my stuff. Yeah, there's and a now mental, there's a yeah, mental there victory is, there, there above and beyond just securing yeah, like, the out. You can't touch my stuff. Well, and, and and now it's you swing for the fences, you swing up, and it's like 200 strikeouts, no big deal. I hit 239, man. I'm well, and leader. that philosophy really kind of to me flies a little bit in the face of the logic of what works at Coors Field and what has made Carlos Gonzalez successful at Coors Field get it is, in the air. is is just get the ball in play get the ball moving get it in get it in the air Carlos Gonzalez we all know has one of the most beautiful swings uh, in the history of baseball yep. and and you know surprisingly he's got pretty low strikeout numbers for a guy with that type of a swing he's yeah. a great contact hitter yes he we know he has the issue with the big sweeping sliders and curveballs from lefties that's been a sure. part of his his career you know history is as he struggled with that particular pitch but you know the the reason the cubs could win a world series with a high strikeout percentage is because they play in a bandbox like Wrigley Field where just getting the ball in play just as often produces an out as it does produces anything else. Whereas at a place like Coors Field, a guy like DJ LeMahieu is going to feast and become a batting champion. A guy like Carlos Gonzalez is going to hit, you know, on average for the course of his career, you know, over 280 to over 285 because you're putting the ball in play. Coors Field is a place to put the ball in play. Well, there's a reason why Todd Helton had so many doubles. That's what he did. He hit doubles at Coors Field. I go back to what I said earlier, the giant outfield. Get it in there. I mean... A nice hard or even just a little bloop Texas leaguer that's going to fall in, but a, a deep double, a hard line drive that would normally be maybe an out or uh, you know 
whatever it might be in Coors Field, it's it's going to land, and that's why Todd Helton had what did he have five hundred and twenty two doubles. Uh, we well, don't you, have it in front of us, but you he had a, back, a lot of doubles. Yeah, and you turn the clock back just two years, 2016, when Carlos Gonzalez was an all-star, and he had 42 doubles that year. He, he Basically, between between 2015 and 2016, you can flip-flop his home runs and doubles numbers, which, look, if I'm, if I'm a manager... If you're giving me a combination, so in 2015, 25 doubles, 40 home runs. In 2016, 42 doubles, 25 home runs. Look, if you're giving me a combination of 70-plus doubles and home runs, you know, or in that range, you're going to take that all day long if you're Bud Black. Yeah, it's 29, 30-year-old Carlos Gonzalez. Again, he's 32 now, and I really think he's got certainly a year left, if not two to three years left, being able to hit and and play at a high level, and you know, until he does, you know, look. If he doesn't come back and perform and hit well this year and strikes out too many times and it can't stay healthy, then of course move on. So so let's let's hit on that. Where then? What's your breaking point for Carlos Gonzalez? Because one of the issues too is that he will have missed three weeks of spring training. He's you know yes he's a pro he's been hitting we know we know that um, he's got a ten year major league career but none of these guys he's, come... he's a historically slow starter to okay. boot. Do you have a, a point in which you say okay Cargo you have to be hitting two seventy five by this time or else for this I, season? I don't I, I'm sure there is a line of delineation that that the team might have. I, I just don't imagine them going to him because you don't want to put that in any player. You know how superstitious and weird. Of course. Yeah. And, and maybe I mean, it's, this isn't a, a spoken thing. No, but it's, it's something, something that's, that, 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 that the if management if you're has. Bud Black though, what, what's that point for you? Is it, does you need to see him hitting that number by the, by the all-star break? Does he oh, need not to be the there? all-star break. I would say by the end of April. I mean, okay. like, let's get things going this year. Let's pr- prove to everyone that, that you still can play and that you still are a productive player because if he's not then there then he won't because i i look i think if he is healthy and hits well he'll start 130 to 140 games i don't think it's going to be an 80 80 platoon why would you do that if he's healthy and hitting well uh but if he doesn't then it's going to be like last year where all right he's not going to hit against lefties and we'll bring him in against righties and uh you know when it's the lights are work. The lights are on, and the mosquitoes are out. We sit him, and um, yeah. I, then, then you have to get creative. Then, then it's do you release him? To me, I mean, look, if because if he isn't hitting, then why keep him around? And then you have all these young guys, and then put him in. Yeah, and, and but, but there's a, a reason deal. they signed him because they know he can still play. They think he's probably healthy. they they know he's healthy. And they still think he can play. And if he can play and has – look, if he has a bounce-back 310, 320 season with 30 home runs, tell me that's not worth $8 million. Oh, it will be. It'll whether be it'll worth, be worth that here in Colorado, that's still to be determined. And so much of that's going to depend on what they do long-term with Charlie Blackman. They've got you know they've got Dahl. They've got Tapia. They've well, Char- got Talkman. Look, but, this is Charlie's time to break the bank. Char- Charlie Blackman's the same age as Carlos Gonzalez. And – this is Charlie's one time. He's 32 years old, I believe, 31, 32 years old. This is his chance to get the $20 million a year contract, whether it's for five years or six years. But like, he doesn't have another opportunity. And you're talking about a guy who, you know, 
played juco baseball then went to georgia tech wasn't even out he was a pitcher and then became an outfielder and started off at, at the junior college then went to georgia tech and then made it to the bigs i remember texting with charlie blackman this the summer when when they shipped seth smith off and it was because they basically gave seth smith the same chance that they gave charlie blackman mm-hmm. seth didn't hit he was gone and charlie came into spring training it was his job and I remember texting and we were talking, look, if you hit, this is your position. This is your year. And what is what is this now? His fifth year that he's been the the, the starter and, and been making Yeah, this will be his fifth numbers. year as a full-time starter. He played 82 games in 2013 where he hit yeah. 309, uh, was 325 in 42 games. Uh, but yeah, to your point about his age, yeah, he will turn 32 on July 1st. So exactly the same yeah. age as Carlos Gonzalez. Just you, you think because he came on so much later because he played his full college career, because he really didn't, you know, well, he played, a full-time. I think he only played one year, one or two years at Georgia Tech. He played... But he played yeah, his full. He, he played yeah, his full three. His, his you know, allotment. His required yeah. years. Uh, but yeah, he didn't really become a full time major leaguer until 2014 at the age of 27, uh, or at least a full time starting major leaguer. Yeah, and by, um, and by the then, Cargo had four years with the Rockies as a dominant player. So, so you have you have Carlos Gonzalez back. You have. Charlie Blackman, you have Gerardo Parra and or Ian Desmond. You've and got plenty Dahl. of options. And yeah. and whether it's David Dahl, Rymel Tapia, or Mike Talkman, I'm still not 100% convinced at this point that David Dahl... I, I want to see more from David Dahl. Does I, he exist? I'm a little nervous. No, I I, I I believe in him because, boy, did we see some great things from that second Without half question. in 2016. But... My fear with David Dahl, beyond the health issues, which which we know have, have been problematic his entire career, is did we see in the second half of 2016 of David Dahl the exact same thing that we saw from Trevor Story in the first half of 2016? And that eventually now there's going to be a book on David Dahl. He had an incredibly slow start to the spring, uh, You know, struggled mightily coming out of the gate. Bud Black loves a lot of things about Rymel Tapia. He loves the speed. He loves the versatility. Uh that fourth outfield position now becomes very, very interesting as to those three guys who are in competition for that spot. I think Mike Talkman has very quietly been making a case for that job yep. for himself. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens with that final piece and then really what happens at first base. Do they tell, you know, Ryan McMahon, hey, this is your job? to you know to lose now at this point and slide Desmond and Parra into some kind of hybrid you know some platoon role um, type of a situation where you know Desmond's available to do just about anything you know under the sun for you under the bench even though you're he's your highest paid player the fact that he wouldn't be starting is kind of mind-boggling but it's p- position that they're in or do they keep McMahon as that fourth bench player he's not maybe as versatile as a Jordan Patterson who can play both first base and the outfield for you Th- there's so many things that that this cargo signing there's so many implications that this cargo signing will will filter down through those final roster spots it'll be really really interesting to see how it all shakes out I, for one, though, you have to put Cargo back into the starting lineup right right out of the gate, right? I, I, You're not. I don't know how you can't. Um, it's it, it, yeah, he is one of the best three outfielders, and he is certainly proven. Dahl will have to, you know, he'll have to hit. He'll have to stay healthy. I mean, it, that is a a legitimate uh, question mark for Dahl. Uh, but if he stays healthy, excuse me, if he stays healthy and performs, then, you know, that Tapia is, 
He's such a different player than Cargo, Dahl, and Charlie Blackman. Yeah. He's not going to hit for power. He's really fast. He can, you know, he's the kind of guy that's probably going to beat it into the ground. I mean, I'm not saying he's Willie Wilson or some wiry player like that. Sorry about the 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 uh, aged reference, but <laughs> um, but he's just a guy that um, can make things happen on the base path sure. too. And I think a lot of times that might not be taken into account enough that when he gets on base, the pitcher's going to pay attention. Yeah, and it was, because they know he's it's not going to be stick around. He's he's going to think about going. Yeah, and and that's what I think why Bud Black likes him so much is because he brings that speed element that really nobody else on the team has. Whether it's true base stealing, I don't think Tapia has the true base stealing ability quite no. yet. He's still growing into that, but he has the speed yep. ability and that's what you know, that's what you love to see in a guy playing at Coors Field. Yeah, that that fourth outfield spot to me it, it's I, I can't in good conscience, take Gerardo Parra off the field if I'm Bud Black. Guy went out and hit 309 for you last year, yeah. was really a, a spark plug and a leader in the clubhouse, stepped up when Cargo was struggling as mightily as he was, sure. uh, and, and battling personal issues. You know, And I don't mean personal issues like home life or anything like that. I just mean his own personal struggles on the field, sure. right? That, that the weight and the pressure of that contract that he turned down, that he's struggling to try and, and overcome and, and get that final big deal that he was hoping to get. Um, Cargo, you know, he he had a, a rough goal of it last year, and Gerardo Parra, one of his best friends, really stepped up in that clubhouse, took on a leadership role, and performed on the field. So I, I look at it and say, boy, I mean, Parra's a team guy. He's going to roll with the punches no matter what. He's going to find, you know, the bright side of life no matter what is thrown his way. But you got to reward Gerardo Parra for what he did for that club last year, which means, again, who are you leaving out? Does that mean that you're leaving Ian Desmond sitting on the bench in a... In a you know, in some kind of uh, utility role, or are you are you telling Ryan McMahon, "Hey, buddy, you did everything we asked. Your time's just not quite here because we've got a two-time All-Star who can play virtually any position on the field for us, and that's the guy we're going to roll with at first base." And another key is it, whichever guy of these guys sits or gets dealt or gets sent back down. But if a guy sit has to sit, they also have to be mature enough to not complain and try and tear up the, the clubhouse. Now, luckily, I think there's enough veteran leadership on this team with Carlos Gonzalez and and with Nolan Arenado and with DJ LeMayhew and these guys that have been around for a long time. You know, you might think of Arenado, oh, he's still a young kid. No, he's in the absolute prime of his career. He's a leader of this team. And so luckily you would have guys that wouldn't let that happen. But you can't let somebody that's uh, that's not happy about getting – playing time and getting at bats and getting time in the field to upset this clubhouse because this this still is a team that wants to build on last season and certainly the way they did not show up in the <laughs> in the wild card playoff game they had they probably have a lot on their head, on their minds thinking yep. there's no way we're going to go we're going to do this and then the next season not make the playoffs, you know, and then that would bring you into what I think is the key of this team is the the starting pitching. Yeah, and and we'll bring you back and talk starting pitching because anyone who's listened to this podcast regularly knows that's my big concern. I would have yeah. liked to have seen them spend that money. As much as I love Cargo, I would have liked to have seen that money potentially spent on a starting pitcher. Not to say that they can't still go out and do that, especially with how cheap guys are going for right yeah, now. That's true. Uh, you know, there's still some possibilities out there. Uh, but always the key with with free agent pitchers, they don't want to come here. 
and that's the the problem is that guys don't want to come here, and that's why the 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 Rockies need to and have and right now are developing it within. As I sit here and look at the cover of Mile High Sports Magazine with Kyle Freeland here, and yep. then of course we all know, you know, John Gray. You know, John Gray needs to be the greatest Rockies pitcher ever, to in, in my opinion. Yeah, after spending a number three draft pick on him, you want to see him develop yeah. into that after you've seen Greg Reynolds flame out. You know, yeah. they need somebody so. to deliver with those top with those top picks. You know, that final bench spot really to me is the last missing piece in all of this. Yeah. Um, you know, they're one of those three guys will to me, they're almost interchangeable at this point in their careers between uh between uh Tapia, Dahl, and Talkman. Pick one. You'll probably see all three. I shouldn't. You probably. You will see all three at various points throughout the year. That final bench spot, that fourth bench position. To me, Jordan Patterson is very interesting in that spot because he can play both infield and outfield. But I would look to see McMahon in that spot because he's earned it. He's worked so hard, and I like the idea of giving Pat Valeka a little bit of pressure. I like the idea of having another versatile infielder who can maybe put a little heat on Pat Valeka. Pat Valeka was great last year. Let's not take anything away from him. Um, he learned a tremendous amount, and it would be a great learning opportunity for Ryan McMahon as well to be around these great professional hitters, guys like Charlie Blackman, DJ LeMay, who, who may or may not be back this year, so now you give them a year with Ryan McMahon to teach him how to be a great pro. I like him in that spot uh, to put that pressure on Pat Vileka and learn from these guys. It's crazy to say this, but we're this close to the season and we've almost got the lineup buttoned up barring injury. It's, it's kind of an amazing thing to say at this point. It is, but I don't want a young guy on the bench either start him or let him get his at-bats in double or triple A. So you want to see him just continue to put eyes on the ball. Yeah, I, I don't want him sitting up here and being the fourth or fifth outfielder just waiting for their opportunity. I think when you're at that 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old range and you're bouncing back and forth or you're, you're about to be called up to the bigs, you need at-bats. You need to, to stay fresh and, and to stay on it. So I would rather Talkman or name, name whatever player to be down in, in AAA getting plate appearances, getting at-bats. And if you think they are major league ready, then start them. Well, so that Talkman's the, the interesting one in that scenario because he's the elder statesman of those three. You have to have a fourth outfielder, right? Yeah. Unless they're well, going to go mean, out are you going to have somebody. four or are you going to have five outfielders? Well, I, the, the, uh, the belief is that they're going to have four, right? Yeah. You're going to have your starting three, you're going to have four, and then you want that final, that fourth bench guy, right? Because you got your one outfielder, your one infielder, your backup catcher. Bud Black's only going to have 12 position players on yep. his roster, so you got your starting eight, your backup infielder, your backup outfielder, and your backup backup catcher yep. that leaves you one flex guy who can you know you got to choose is that an infielder or an outfielder that's why I brought up Jordan Patterson because he can do he can both, do both yeah. um, you know I, I think Talkman stands out as a as a High, highly likely candidate for that fourth spot because he's almost twenty eight. He's twenty seven. Yep, he's twenty seven. He will be for the duration of this year. Turn okay. uh, twenty seven in December. But I, I like him as the third outfielder potentially just because of his age. But boy, Tapian and, and Dahl certainly seem to have more of an inside track than Talkman. If you're playing the if you're playing the at bats game, if you're sure. playing that now, if you're looking strictly for a pure utility type of a guy for that fourth and final bench spot, uh, the the name that they've brought in or the guy that they've brought in, the name that you might 
might hear a little bit more often is Sean O'Malley, who's been just, you know, the definition of a minor league uh, ball player for his career, maxed out at 89 games for the Mariners two years ago. But he can play both infield and outfield, also hits uh, from both sides of the plate. So if the goal is to get Ryan McMahon more comfortable at the plate and just seeing more pitches, more at-bats, just getting him into the groove and not having him stuck in a bench role like Pat Valeka was for all of last year, then yeah, you absolutely send him down and you have a guy like Sean O'Malley on your bench. Um, you know, Last year it was Alexi Amarista. You don't have that guy, so that's a little bit of a question mark. But really, like I said, we've got this thing all buttoned up, minus maybe that, that one definitive spot um, in the outfield as to who that guy is going to be, and then the other, you know, the other open bench spot, whether they're going to go with a more flex role like a guy like O'Malley or if they're going to try and bring up one of their young gun prospects um, you know whether it's Dahl whether it's Tapia whether it's Talkman, whether it's uh, McMahon just to give them that MLB experience and learn alongside these guys um, it, it's a great thing to know that they're that close really still with a few weeks left in in spring training to be able to start buttoning this down. I think in very short order, we're going to see exactly what this Rockies lineup is going to look like. By this time next week, the starting lineup that Bud Black trots out for his Monday game is going to be pretty close to what you can expect to see when they open the season in Arizona. And we're really excited that Carlos Gonzalez is going to be a part of that. No question. All right, so if you had to pick, who's going to be the fourth outfielder? My fourth outfielder... At this point, I'm going to make it Mike Talkman, just simply because. And so it's, so it's, I'm going to send so Dahl and Tapia back down to AAA. And you keep Para up also. Oh yeah, Para without a. You talking or you mean McMahon? Pa, so you. So Para's my outfielder. Para's it's Cargo, Charlie, and Para are my starting outfielders. Oh, and Dahl. And Where's Dahl? So you send Dahl back to AAA. Okay. Because right. I, I, as much as I love no, David Dahl, I, I, and, I, and believe you me, he was fantastic in 2016, uh, but I want to see sustained success from David Dahl. I think getting him back into to a AAA spot to demonstrate, A, that he can stay healthy for an extended period of time, and... I just I like the idea of Talkman being there. Give him a shot, but a very very short leash for him. Sure. So cargo and right, Blackman and center, and Parra and left. That's I would love it. All right. Hey. I, I think it's great. I'll take it. And you've got your and your entire outfield is made up of left-handed bats, which gives you a lot of versatility. You slide Ian Desmond over to first base. Um, he was preparing for it heading into the 2017 season. Backed off of that uh, going into 2018, but. He's a pro, and, and you think he's going to be able to handle it. Will there be some ups and downs? Yeah, but there were going to be ups and downs with Ryan McMahon, who's just recently converted to that position as well. Sure. I take Ian Desmond over Ryan McMahon as your starting first baseman all day long. We're going to see that very, very shortly. Reno Nataro, you have a radio show to do. We'll let you plug that one more time. Tell us how we can hear you on Mile High Sports Radio. 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock Mountain Time on Mile High Sports Radio with Sean Walsh, and uh, we're excited about it. I'm excited about the new time slot. Because now I'll be able to catch uh, more a Rockies lot more games. Rockies games. And on your way in between your show and those Rockies games, we encourage Reno and everyone to go and stop by our friends at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street with those 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. Amazing American Alpine Fair that's locally sourced and rotates seasonally. And those terrific rooftop views all year round. Tap 14 is your destination for Rockies game days. He's Reno Nataro. You can find him at Reno at all on Twitter. I am Casey Light. You can find me at Light on His Feet on Twitter. You'll catch the Blake Street Irregulars back again on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.